Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thank you so much for joining me. I so much appreciate if you, the fact that you're even hearing my voice right now, somewhere along the line, you're scrolling through options and you chose this. I can't even say how much that means to me and my gratitude for you as a listener. So thank you for doing that. Um, I, I really am doing this podcast because I just like having this conversation with people. I've learned a few things. I'm continuing to learn more and more. And part of the way that I learn is by opening a dialogue with other people who are also passionate about the subject. So thank you for joining me. Before I get too far into what we're going to do, give a quick shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They offer exceptional products, awesome customer service, free shipping in the U.S. Try them out. Go if any for anything you need to express your pride in your Scottish heritage. Or got some other Celtic stuff that you can buy too. If you're more on the Irish or the Welsh, which I've got a pretty big chunk of Welsh ancestry. In fact, my Welsh ancestry is significantly more than my Scottish ancestry. But nevertheless, there's something for for everybody of a Celtic connection there. Even if it's not a blood connection, you just think it's cool, go there, check them out, find something you like. It's good stuff. I think you'll have a good experience with them. Also, they've got a great YouTube channel. So go check that out too, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. Their storefronts, usakilts.com. Okay. Now, uh, just a quick note on the, just to catch up from the last episode, the last episode, I had a really interesting discussion with somebody who listened to this from the, the Clan Sinclair, Sinclair, I messed that up. I'm used to saying it my whole life, Sinclair. I understand it's got more of a sink sound at the beginning of it, especially in the UK. So I'm going to try to do justice and do right by you guys, but Lloyd House I think that's how he's pronounced the house. Spelled a little bit different than a regular house, but I, I think that Lloyd, I apologize if I got your last name slightly off there, but Lloyd, thank you for reaching out. Um, guys, the last episode was just meant to really be not a an exhaustive history or even just a chronological, okay, here's the story of the Sinclairs from the earliest dates up until whenever. That, that was the intent was, and in more detail, but if you want to go back and check it out, what I wanted to do was just uh, a quick outline of where they came from, how they got involved in the very far north of Scotland. They're just touch really quickly on their Scandinavian connections because they were, it seems like they're almost as involved in Scandinavian affairs as they were Scottish. And I, I went into more detail there. And also the um, little bit about how the different branches of the Sinclairs came about with a brief discussion on what does that mean for them as a clan. All right. So if you want, if you, uh, and just trying to, just trying to generate the conversation on the Sinclairs so that um, kind of prep the stage as we move into what we're going to talk about today, which is the Battle of Summerdale. So once again, this is new territory for this podcast. We've never, I've, I've never once done an episode that so heavily involves the Northern Island Isles, meaning Shetland and Orkney. And the Sinclairs were very involved in, in up in there um, and, and entrenched really. From the first time that there, I believe it was Henry Sinclair, who was the first Sinclair, it was William Sinclair's 
grandfather that was the first of the Sinclairs. He was a baron of Roslyn, obtained the, the earldom, which is a very old earldom, uh, the earldom of Orkney. goes way back to, way, way back, way back. Anyway, um, and that's how they get involved up there is through marriage that they inherited that earldom. Uh, go back. I give a, not a ton more detail in the previous one. My goal was to make it concise, generate the conversation, prep the stage, because today we're going to have a story. So with my the way I've laid my podcast out, I know that my listeners come from a variety of backgrounds. Some of you are coming to this very academic. All you got to do is go over and check out our group, Scottish Clans, on Facebook. And you can see that some of my members of that group over there are very educated on this. Probably in some of those respects, maybe in a lot of respects, more than I am. And I'm, I don't hesitate to admit that. I don't claim to be the grand poobah on all things Scottish clans. Um, I'm passionate about it. I've read a lot about it. I still have a lot to learn. And this podcast is part of that journey. So thank you for joining me. And in those who are listening to this, there's a broad spectrum. There's those that I just mentioned who are very academic, well-read, coming from a pretty strong background in this. And then there's also those of you who maybe just learned that you have your last name is actually Scottish. You just barely learned you have Scottish ancestry. And this is your this podcast is like your introductory to to that connection. And and for a lot of people who have that connection, they they don't want to be academic about this. So we've got something for the academic folks, but we've also got some of you who just want to learn some cool stories because that is really at the foundation of my interest in history is cool stories. And today's story is the Battle of Somerdale. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can imagine that when you're uh, talking this much, this straight like this, your voice gets a little raspy sometimes. We're going to be reading my source, and I'll, I'll conclude the source in the show notes, which, by the way, I did include all the sources from the last episode, the, the links that I specifically mentioned in the episode. I, I did remember to include those with maybe some more than I said I was going to. This one I'll include as well. It's from orkneyar.com. Okay, that's the website. The Heritage of the Orkney Islands is the subheading under this website. And I'm just going to read their version of the story, okay? Uh, there are other versions of the story. There's other histories of this, other places you can go to learn about the Battle of Somerdale, but I'm going to read it from theirs. Okay. And, and hopefully somewhere in here, if you've listened to the last episode, you understand how the, the Sinclairs came to be up in the Orkney Islands and in Caithness, and you learn that there's different branches of this family developing. This story is a story of a civil conflict between these different branches of the Sinclairs. All right, let's get on with it. Quote, the Battle of, the Battle of Somerdale in 1529, as any Orcadian should be able to tell you, was the last pitched quote-unquote battle fought on or- Orkney soil. Although history and local tradition treats the confrontation as a battle, it was more likely to have been a brief, bloody skirmish on the boundary of the parishes of Orphir and Stennes. After the transfer of Orkney to the Scottish crown in 1468, the former earldom property was rented to taxmen. These individuals collected the various scats, rents, and other dues formerly paid to the earls. Needless to say, some of the taxmen were disliked and in some cases used their power unscrupulously. 
1489, Lord Henry Sinclair was taxman. After his death at the Battle of Flodden, the tack was allowed to pass to his widow. Henry's son, William, was a minor at the time of his father's death, so his uncle, Lord William Sinclair of Worcester, took over Henry's legal duties. On Worcester's death, young William Sinclair was made Justice Deputy of Orkney, but his behavior soon led to trouble and eventually a revolt. A body of Oudalers, led by James Sinclair of Brex, refused to pay dues for three years. These men, who feared the encroachment of Scottish feudalism into Orkney, rebelled. James Sinclair, aided by his brother Edward, both illegitimate sons of Sinclair of Warsetter, led the uprising that led to the seizure of the Kirkwall Castle, the Sinclair stronghold. A number of people were killed during the incident, and William Sinclair fled from Orkney to take up refuge in Caithness. There, the exiled Sinclair made an appeal to the crown, asking for assistance to, to quash the rebellion in Orkney. The following year, a royal demand was made to the insurgents to hand over the castle. They refused. So, acting on royal authority, William Sinclair, with the help of his kinsman John, Earl of Caithness, raised a force of around 500 men from Caithness and invaded Orkney. According to Orcadian tradition, the invading force landed in the parish of Orphir on the north side of Scapa Flow, but Sir James Sinclair, well aware that they were approaching, had gathered a large body of Orcadians to resist the invaders. Many traditional stories about the battle have been handed down over the ages. All right, now I'm going to quick pause on reading this. We're going to get into a little folklore stuff, which that's kind of fun too. Back into it. Quote, It was said that when the Earl of Caithness and his troops landed in Orphir, a witch walked before them on the march. The crone unwound two balls of wool, one blue, the other red. The red ball was the first to run out, and the witch assured the Earl that the side whose blood was spilled first would certainly be defeated. Okay, I'm going to pause right here to give a better shout-out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Every, every episode, they get, they get a short one in the beginning and a more solid one in the beginning. Hey, look, as I mentioned on my last episode, it's, we're getting into hiking season and walking season. And when I do that, my preferred garment is a kilt. I have two kilts from USA Kilts. I love both of them. If it's going to be a little on the cool side and I'm not going to be out breaking brush, it's the five-yard wool kilt in the McFarland hunting tartan. If it's a little warmer out and I'm going to be going some places, you know, like back in there, like I like to. I like to get out in that lonesome country, big. And sometimes if something catches my eye and I get a little curious about something, I may end up going off trail. This is where the casual kilt comes in. A little bit rougher country, maybe warmer temperatures, maybe getting a little dirty. The casual kilt by USA Kilts offers you a little bit, it's a little bit better with dirt on it, and it's not as snaggy as a wool kilt, a 100% wool kilt. And it's, and it's not quite as hot either. So off I go. And those are my two. Oh, also, I didn't mention that the casual kilt is in the Macduff hunting tartan. Why did I choose that one? 
I did a whole episode on it. So go back, check it out, how I picked the tartan for that second kilt. Anyway, I love both of those kilts. I love all the stuff that I've got from them that goes with the kilt. I don't have the full Highland, the full thing yet. I don't know if I ever will, to be honest with you. Because it's a lot of stuff and it's pretty expensive. And But you can bet that if that's the route you want to go, go to USA Kilts because it will be of great quality and great customer service. Check out their YouTube channel because guess what? Unless you're a seasoned pro with kilts, you're going to know need to know some do's and don'ts. And they got tons of information and content on there that'll help you out. Go check them out, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions or usakilts.com. All right, so I'm going to read that prophecy one more time for you. The crone unwound two balls of wool, one blue, the other red. The red ball was the first to run out, and the witch assured the earl that the side whose blood was spilled first would certainly be defeated. It would appear that the earl put great faith in the witch's proclamation, so much so that he was determined to slay the first Orcadian he met, man, woman, or child, to ensure his victory on the day. The first person he met was a defenseless young herd boy. The Caithness men fell on that hapless youth and murdered him. Only after the lad lay dead at their feet did they learn from the witch that their victim was no Orcadian. He was a Caithness boy who had taken refuge in Orkney. Unnerved by the incident, if tradition is to be believed, the Caithness men's actions had a major effect on their conduct at the battle. The Earl's men marched up the valley on the west side of the Loch of Kerbister, while James Sinclair's Orkney rebels followed a route to the east side of the Loch. The two forces met at the Valley of Summerdale, and in the clash that followed, tradition says that the invaders were completely routed. They cast their weapons into the Kerbister Loch and fled the carnage, but the few who survived the battle were pursued as they ran back to their boats and slaughtered. The Earl himself reached the farm of Obak and dashed in among the farm buildings to seek a hiding place, only to be met by a party of his enemies who slew him on the spot. It was said that the Earl's head was sent back to Caithness in defiance. Only one Orkney man is said to have been killed on that day. His death was a tragic one. After the battle, he dressed himself in the clothes taken from a dead Caithness man, and on his return home, his mother, thinking he was one of the enemy, struck him on the head with a makeshift weapon, a stone in the foot of a stocking. That is tragic. Yeah, that's sad. Um, seems like made up. I don't know if I believe that part of the story. Seems like a mom, recognize your boy, even if he's wearing a clown suit with face paint on, but I don't know. I don't know everything, and it, may, it might have happened. I wasn't there. All right, last little bit of the story goes like this. But despite Sir James Sinclair's blatant defiance of the crown, the King of Scotland not only pardoned him, but also gifted him a feudal grant of the lands of Sandy and Stronsey. Some maintain that this act of appeasement was made in order not to drive the islanders into the arm of King John of Norway and Denmark, who had pledged himself to redeem the mortgaged islands. That's the end of the story. Didn't go well for the Caithness men. Victory for Orkney. But see what you have here. And this, uh, the reason I think this is an interesting story is you have Sinclair's leading both sides, different branches of the kindred. 
Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the story? Go ahead and give me some feedback on there. Do you like that story? Do you want more of those stories? Um, what questions does the story make you think of about this whole thing? The question that I get in my head from this story is, how was it, what was the difference in dress between people from Caithness and people from Orkney? That's what I want to know. There's that part where, I and mean, that was the whole thing behind the woman killing her son, is that he was dressed in the clothes that he'd taken off of Caithness. There's something distinctive about it that in her mind triggered it. And even if that story was completely made up, was there an actual difference between the way people in Caithness dressed versus Orkney? Do any of you, have any of you made this something that you're passionate about and you could share it with a group? If you've got specific things you want to contribute to the story, questions you have, reach out. You can email me at thescottishclans at gmail.com or you can comment and slide my name in it. You know how that works with you and it'll pop up on the radar of, hey, somebody mentioned you in a comment on this podcast. I'm going to probably post this back. Um, what I shared it on my Facebook group for the Scottish clans. And then I also reached out to a, a Clan Sinclair Facebook group and shared it there too. That's where I got some of that feedback I mentioned at the beginning. Um, don't, don't post on that one because I don't see it as, as easily though. I did see the, the one that I mentioned earlier, but I can't. it's hard for me to track so many different places to check people's comments. So either email me or put it in the comment on the, face, on the Scottish Clans Facebook group. I do try to check that. All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that episode. Um, just in, in light of, or just to mention a few things coming down the line, I've got this online course. I'm just waiting for a time to, there's a, there's a specific event, like I mentioned the last one. I was, my hope was to have it done in January. Some big life events happened in January. And now I'm in a completely different career field. I live in a completely different part of Utah. I can see Idaho from here, which is a definite plus in my head. All right. I hope you guys love your homes like I love where I'm from. But anyway, I can see it from here. Um, yeah, the big life events. So it didn't get published when I wanted it to. And that's just the way things go sometimes. But it's created. It's already made. And it will be published. We're just, there's one big financial event that needs to happen. And then boom, we're on it. And it should happen in a couple weeks. So that's coming, guys. It's coming. Um Hang with me. Thank you for listening to this. Questions, comments, concerns. Told you how to reach out. Hey, one one invitation. Share this with somebody. There's somebody you know that would love to hear stories about the history of Scotland, specifically if they have a an ancestral connection. Do you know anybody with a Scottish last name? Share it with them. And until next time, Marshan Leavendrasta. <laughs>